from Sanquist Fields. Broadcasting around the world. Around the world. It's time to talk softball with the man, the myth, the legend, Duke Weisbrod. And also, um, what's his name? Um, oh, Chris, Chris Fernanda. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cambridge Isanti Softball Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to episode two of the Cambridge Isanti Softball Podcast. My name is Chris, joined here by Duke. Duke, how are you doing tonight? Good, sir. How are you? Good. Good to be Good. back here. Yes, absolutely. So we've got a lot to cover here on this episode. We're going to do a quick recap of the classic going to focus on the local teams and players, uh, talk about some other tournament news, and then since we're kind of in a break here with the, the 4th of July holiday, going to do a midway check-in on the different leagues here. So the Women's League, Men's League, Masters League, uh, even the Church Leagues, we're going to cover all of those. So Great. let's go ahead and get started. Okay, thank you. Have you, uh, by the way, got some sleep after our four weeks of a couple hundred teams visiting the park <laughs> yeah i think i'm finally caught up it's been uh, been pretty crazy but but fun at the same time you bet it has yep all right so as chris said uh we are on a little break here till next thursday men's plays again uh but a little recap on the 28th annual classic i thought it was a a very good tournament uh one note that i wanted to make was uh going through all the scorecards there was 21 one-run games in that tournament, Chris. Uh, 11 two-run games. That makes for some very mm-hmm. interesting games. So um, the conditions were dry. Uh, Craig Derrick and the staff did a great job getting water on the infields. Not a lot we could do with those outfields. They were quite brown, which I wasn't happy about, but uh, we're in a drought. And uh, as of now, after that rain we had last weekend, they're, uh, they're starting to come back. So it's getting green out there, and soon that uh, corn will be tall and the beans will be rising, and uh, it'll be a beautiful place to be. So at any rate, uh, in the women's platinum, DeMarini Blackhawk S2N of the Illinois uh, won the tournament with a 10-0 victory over uh, the Wreckers, Minnesota Wreckers. Uh, Jennifer Pisani uh, was voted tournament MVP. Um, they, up, like I say, upended the records in the championship game. And I think that uh, tier two, or I should say the golden bronze, the TC Stars beat the Soda Girls 12-10 with Crystal Klein named the MVP. The Soda Girls were also named and... Uh, given the Team Sportsmanship Award, which I've always thought uh, if I owned a business and my team came back with that Sportsmanship Award, that's the one I want on the wall. Uh, you always want your team to do well, but uh, that's important that you represent mm-hmm. your, your team and uh, your sponsors. Uh, Libby Olson of the Misfits uh, made the all-tournament team. Uh, in the men's Tier 1, uh, Stoop Schmidt Roofing beat uh, Casey Gustafson Construction S2N, uh, led by Tristan Johnson from Stansfield. Uh, they hit a walk-off homer in the IF game, 25-24. Those were some heavyweight teams there. Very, very good ball players. Uh, Ryan Lindgren of Stoop was named tournament MVP. 
local guys, uh, Aaron Schumacher, Cody Kelson, Jake Freeman from Duck Tech made the all-tournament team. Uh, Stoop Schmidt Roofing uh, had uh, great behavior throughout the tournament. They were, they were the recipient of the team sportsmanship award in the Tier 1. In the Tier 2 division, Chris, S2N D team upended GGM 21-18, and Stagecoach beat uh, local Unbound Construction 25-24 to win the Tier 3. So actually, just off the top of my head here, I think three or four of those championship games in the different divisions were one or two runs. And that's some exciting ball. Yeah, they were both the... I, I watched the uh, Tier 1 championship game and the Tier 3 championship game, and both of those were walk-offs yep. where the winning team was behind going into the bottom of the seventh. So those were really, really great games. Oh, they were, for sure. Local players, uh, Tristan Zimprick of the Pizza Pub, Seth Leaf of Unbound Construction, and Nathan Bubba Berry of Sandlot, better, better known as Bubba, uh, we're on the all-tournament team for the Tier 2 and 3. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, actually, uh, I know Bubba, but I didn't know he had a first name. Uh, I, so I didn't recognize his name, Nathan Barry, but yeah, I know Bubba. He's yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that, I remember when he was really young, he hit a ball uh, out towards the farm there that pretty much cleared that tree by the house. It was a bomb. Mm -hmm. um, just a couple other mentions here. Uh, Duck Tech uh, won the big Kaposia Days tourney in South St. Paul. Uh, Cody Kelsa was playing for him that weekend. Aaron and Jake were not there. Uh, our friends, the Silverbacks D team, went up to that 423-team uh, McQuaid's tourney, and that is a charity tourney, uh, Bismarck, Mandan area. Uh, there were no games, Chris, played on Saturday as they had one of those swirling rainstorms up there, so... They had to draw cards on Saturday. I don't know how else you could do it, really, with that many teams. And uh, Rhonda Robinette, Donnie's wife, drew a 10, and the opposing team drew a 9, so they advanced. And then she drew a king, and the opposing team had a 3. So they made her into Sunday, lost their first game Sunday, and rallied, I think, eight games to the championship, and they got about a 6-foot trophy that they brought home. So that was pretty cool. And uh, Pizza Pub SPG... Uh, won the Spudfest D bracket. Uh, Matty Moline, I guess, uh, pitched tremendously throughout the weekend. So congrats to those teams. All right, so before we go further, I just want to thank everyone for uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, we got a lot more listeners than, you know, we really thought. Uh, I was kind of thinking we'd have 40 or 50. I was hoping we'd have 100 uh, eventually this season, and... We had 161 here on the on the first episode, so that's really great, and I appreciate that, and I, I appreciate all the feedback we've gotten. Uh, one thing I've noticed, though, that's kind of interesting is, uh, listener-wise, 87% uh, of our listeners are male. There's only 13% that are female here. We have a lot of female softball players in and around Sandquist, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yep. So I just want to let the ladies know, this show is Ladies First Always. And so uh, please share this with your, your teammates. Let them know about the show. And uh, to that end, we're going to start off and we're going to cover uh, the women's league here. So kick it over to you, Duke. Thank you, Dr. V. Okay, the low draft picks uh, who won the league last year in 22, or 13-1 and one right now. Uh, the Beavers beat them uh, Wednesday night, 15-14 in a good game. 
chaos, uh, woodchucks, beavers, low draft picks, misfits, jailbirds, screwballs. I mean, they're all really good teams, and and uh, we appreciate the two or three teams that uh, that came from another league that went defunct, and and uh, they'll get comfortable and, and and play as well. But what we did, Chris, was we uh, we did two rounds uh, where you play every team, so. That's going to end, I think, on July 18th. That's the eight, first 18 games, so nine mm-hmm. weeks. There are six games left over. And uh, the new league director, Brittany, uh, had some feedback, and, and we want to make sure that we can make the league as, as friendly and uh, so people have fun. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fix those last six games, and that will be on the website at cisoftball.com probably within a few days here. But... Uh, so that maybe the upper half of those teams are going to play each other, and then the lower half in the standings right now are going to play each other. So that'll make for some good competitive games too. Um, but it, it, it's a great league. I mean, that women's league is, uh, you know, I'd have to say it's got to be one of the best in the state. I mean, there's a lot of good ball players out there, and, and you know, you've got teams like the Jailbirds that have been around for, I don't know, 40 years maybe. Mm-hmm. They, they keep refueling at the bottom end. Uh, you've got uh, Chaos, who's always been strong. Uh, low draft picks is actually a takeoff of uh, the nicest girl in softball, I think, <laughs> Ashley Anderson, her Minnesota Lunatics team. Uh, they're, they're doing well. Uh, Screwball's been around forever, and uh, it's just a great league. It really is. Yeah, I was uh, watching um, the low draft picks versus Beavers on Wednesday night. Yep. And that was a really, really good game. Um, I, I watched that specifically because I, I didn't really know uh, many of the players on either team. And I just noticed how good they are in the standings, and I wanted to uh, check it out. And Beavers got off to, I believe it was an 8-0 lead in the top of the first. And low draft picks came back. I think they were leading when I quit watching a bit later. And then uh, they must have, uh, uh, Beaver must, Beavers must have come back and, and won the game at the end. Um, by one run, I think you said so. But that was a really, really great game. Yes, yes. Uh, a shout out to the Woodchucks this year, boy. They're playing good ball. My goodness, um, Misfits are always a very, very dangerous team. Uh, it looks, Chris, like probably I'm thinking four or five of the teams out of the Cambridge League will play in state uh, during the TOC Women's State on. Uh, August 18th. That's kind of what it what it's lo- looks looking like to me, at least. So that'll be a good representation. All right. So now let's take a look at the men's league. 2022, I believe that SNI Drywall uh, won uh, 30 games. Is that correct? Yeah, 30 and 0. Yep. Yeah, last year. That, that's a nice run. Lost Mule is always near the top. Pizza Pub is strong. Uh, currently, SNI Drywall and Pizza Pub are tied at 17 and one. SNI holds the uh, tiebreaker on that. They beat the Pub on June 1st, 25 to 16. But I want to give a shout out to a couple other teams. They're uh, unbound is strong this year. Studweisers are having a good year. But uh, North Branch Chev, uh, who was a uh, led by a young man, his parents were parts managers and office managers at uh, where I work. Uh, 
this is what we need, you know, 18, 19 year olds. They got involved and I said, you are, we're going to welcome you with open arms, but it's a tough league. So if you don't win right away, just keep plugging away. Well, these guys are hockey players and baseball players. They're, they're getting better and better. They're going to win a game here real soon. So I'm happy for those kids. Yeah, those, uh, I don't know any of them personally, but a couple observations. Uh, one, they almost won the other night. They lost by one run uh, when yep. I was watching against New Legacy. And another thing is, this goes back a few weeks, but we've talked about this before, but all the young kids, if there's an open field, the kids are all playing on that field. Yes. And North Branch Chev guys had some downtime between a game, and they were all out there playing with the kids. They were pitching oh. to them, fielding. Just a bunch of great guys, and uh, yep. that's just awesome. It means a lot to the kids uh, to be playing with uh, older guys like that, learning from them. So uh, oh, I hope, yeah. hope they're having a good time and stick with it because, like you said, you know the records will improve to, to that end. My first year playing here in the Fall League, our very first or second game, we beat what is now the Pizza Pub team on a you know end-of-game walk-off type thing. Yep. And guess what? That was it. We're never beating them again the rest of our lives, I'm sure. Uh, you know, they've gotten a lot better, and we, we're getting older. Um, until, that, until you start that 15-over league within a couple of years. Right. Yeah. yeah, so, I, you know, to that end, you know, guys in Lake North Branch have young guys like that. Just stick with it. Uh, your record will definitely improve. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, um, I want to mention something about Immortal Insulation, you know, the former Land Sharks with Eric and Matty Shadeen and their crew. That team, in my opinion, could be the sneakiest team in Minnesota. I mean, they are, just when you think they might be out of the game, they find a way to fight back. And I tell you, it's really interesting. They've beaten some very good teams. They've beaten Fairline in tournaments. They've, <clears throat> they're just fundamentally sound. And, and uh, Joey Jones is a superstar, in my opinion, with that one of the few left-handed shortstops but uh, he knows how to play that hop and they're just a bunch of good friends and that take it seriously and have fun and and then there's a team called new legacy that i want to mention uh i watched a little bit of the game last night and uh, do you know that team at all you, you know I sure yeah sure do uh, okay yep. yep your son plays on it yep um and that team that al and and jeff put together a little bit of veteran leadership uh, with a lot of team speed, and that's a team right there. Uh, their, their games last night, I think they did they win by one and they they lost by one, right down to the wire. Uh, the first game, I don't know what the score was, but I think they won comfortably. Yeah. Um, the second game, they lost to uh, Immortal um, by one or two runs. They they had a chance to win it, bases loaded, two outs. Uh, actually, an extra innings right before the lights went out, they ended up losing. But it was a it was a great game, and uh, if they would have won that, that would have been four wins in a row for them. Plus, in the tournament, uh, the uh, classic, they had defeated Unbound in the first round, which is probably their best win they've had as a team yet, because Unbound is obviously an incredible team, and they went on to you know get second in uh, tier three. Uh, but it just kind of shows the rapid improvement they have here, and. I've noticed kind of watching and observing uh, Jeff is a really, really good coach. Um, even mid-game, he's, he's telling the guys where to be, how to adjust their batting stance, all that, and it's really paying dividends. So really yes. young team. I mean, you got to keep in mind, a lot of these guys are still in high school. 
or just graduating. So they have a lot of lot of potential as well, just like the North Branch uh, Chev guys that we were talking about. Yep, the, the uh, new legacy. Uh, it, it didn't seem that long ago that they were playing youth church softball, but you know, like John Wooden, the great basketball coach from UCLA, said, "Be quick, but don't hurry." And that team is quick, and that's going to win them some games. They can peel around those bases. So, no, league's going great. Um, we've got a few weeks left there, and, and teams are fighting for uh, entry into the postseason. All right, so now we'll move on to the uh, Masters, 35 and over. That's uh, one of the few uh, strong leagues in the state as well. Um, JLS, Sweeters, uh, Dirty Swag, uh, which is some of the old drillers and Sean Stanzer, they're 14 and 1. Uh, they are up on Chico's Mule 13 to 3 with a two-game lead, and of course Brad's Cabin. NMM are in the middle. Fire department looks good this year, and the other Chico's team, they got some players too. So we're hoping, Chris, that when we host the state masters tournament at the end of July here, that we we have four or five of them teams that'll play. I think that will be a good thing because, like I say, some of these guys aren't quite as fast as they used to be, but boy, they know that game. Yeah, definitely. And how many teams are you expecting for that master state tournament? Well, it's been running uh, about 8 to 10 in Sauk Rapids. Um, I think it will be a little more than that. Uh, we'll, we'll no doubt get a couple Brainerd teams, uh, maybe a couple out of the cities, maybe one from like Pine River. Um, but the, the unique thing about it is, and we can talk about it a little bit, but you can, you can form that team. You just have to have, make sure everybody on the team is 35 or older within the calendar year. So you could be 34 right now and have a uh, December 31st birthday and, and, and play. So uh, okay. <clears throat> that is actually coupled with, uh, you know, the Masters on Saturday, then the state correct on Sunday. But at any rate, Masters League is hanging in there. Um, they have one week left and they start their end of the year tourney, the league tourney, which I think starts July 18th. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that'll be fun. And uh, it seems like uh, from afar, the number of teams in the league has in increased over the past couple of years. Is that accurate? Uh, in that Masters League? Mm -hmm. Just by one or two. Yep. It's been five or, we haven't got down to four, but, you know, you, you almost got to have five, six, seven, eight to do a decent league. And, and Brad's worked hard on that. Uh, we try to attract uh teams from you know, the northern suburbs and Princeton Elk River and so on, but uh, it's hanging in there. So, How many other leagues are there that you're aware of around, around the Metro or Sauk Rapids or wherever? Well, Sauk Rapids has got a few. Uh, you know, there's a lot of MSF leagues that people don't, it doesn't meet the eye, you know, like maybe down in Mankato, up in Brainerd. <clears throat> well, not MSF in Brainerd, but mm -hmm. Uh, actually, I talked to Katie Kaufman, the parks director from uh, Brainerd, uh, yesterday, and I asked her if we could post that uh, flyer on there because we've always gotten a couple, three teams out of there. But, um, you know, there's a few here and there. Um, but as far as numbers, I don't exactly know. It used to be big, really big, the over 35. But as you know, um, softball's declined nationwide. It hasn't in Cambridge. And I don't think it has in Minnesota so much either, but at any rate, uh, 
we're still rolling. If you don't mind, maybe let's take a moment here and, and uh, give a couple of shout-outs to some of our sponsors. Yes, absolutely. So I'll, I'll kick it off because I had one I wanted to shout-out, and then I know you had uh, a few. So, uh, But I want to give a shout-out to uh, Betcar Excavating and Septic. Uh, they've been a longtime sponsor of several teams out here at Sandquist. Yes. And then this year they actually moved forward and, and uh, got a billboard as well. Uh, so we really appreciate their support. And uh, if you're not familiar with Betcar Septic, they do, of course, excavating septic. Another new thing they have, or newish thing, newish thing I should say, is uh, you can rent what they call biffies from them. They're portable toilets, and uh, they're great for things like open houses, uh, graduations, weddings, um, reunions, or softball tournaments for that matter. Um, they will uh, make it easy on you. They'll bring them out to you, pump them, and pick them back up when you're all done. Um, so if you're interested in something like that, uh, just give them a call. You bet. Yeah, they're, uh, I think uh, Caleb Betker is going to come out and help us with uh, with a little ding that got put in the tar mm-hmm. from, uh, from a heavy trailer. Uh, so just very accommodating, very, very nice business. So, um, close to home, my, my cousin Susie and, and her husband Dan Michaels and their family uh, opened up that pizza ranch. I think the official day is July 3rd, but I went in for a sample tonight, and it was good, no doubt about it. So glad to see them open. Uh, I think we have a local connection through the softball world that uh, may have something to do with that Scooter's Coffee. Uh, I think, uh, was it last Sunday, Chris, when we were doing the Little League tournament, there was several people walking around with those scooters cups, so it must be good. Yeah, we, we, I've been there probably five times already. I'm a big fan. Um, one, two things I'll say about scooters. Yep. They have energy drinks, which is pretty unique for a coffee shop around here. Oh, my. Those are pretty good. And then also they've got something called the candy bar latte. And... You can choose the type of candy bar you want mixed in with it. So oh I've tried Kit Kat so far. I'm going to try them all except <laughs> the, uh, I think there was a mound one or something. I don't like coconut, so I won't try that one. But all the others, I'm going to try them one by one until I figure out which one is the best. But oh, definitely cool. nice to have another coffee option here in town. Oh, no doubt. You know, uh, Sean and Jody at the Bar and Grill have always been great. They've supported everything we've done Uh Jeff at the Pizza Pub has been great. Ron at the sidelines. Uh, Flickerbirds out on Rush Lake. They have a billboard out at the park. Um, you know, it, it's sometimes tough with uh, these national uh, franchises. You know, I, I I don't seem to be able to get a French fry out of uh, one of them, but i got to pick up their garbage out at the park, or we do, I should say. Mm-hmm. And that's... I understand that. I don't expect everybody to dive into what we do, but um, it's just it's just great that we have uh, friends of uh, the softball association that uh, give us some help every once in a while. Um, at any rate, there's other folks too that that don't uh, don't have a restaurant or bar or eating establishment. Uh, Lauren Davis from Diversified Bronze and his son Ryan and wife Peg. Uh, you've got Dean's Heating out in Bradford. Uh, the uh, TNC self-serve, the goodest gas in town. Uh, Tanya has been very good to us. Uh, our friend Blake, as we mentioned before, he's been great. So we, we do really appreciate that. and We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, 
when we talk about the TOC, how that is the tournament where we we uh, sell some advertising and then gain some support from them people because that's how we can be one of the few tournaments in the upper Midwest that will pay out uh, what, what's called in the amateur world uh, travel expenses rather than payouts because that's really what it is. We want you to mm -hmm. come and enjoy a uh, well-structured tournament. Uh, we want to treat the amateur like a pro, but we want to give you a little bit of money too so you can get home and uh, – you know, have a little bit of money for your softball account. But at any rate, thank you to all those sponsors. Let me just talk about the Fall Leagues just quickly here, mm -hmm. if that's okay. Of course. Uh, yep. So the Fall Leagues, uh, the notice is going to be posted tomorrow. It's been on our website, but I'm going to get a little bit more integral with it. Uh, these are going to be large. Uh, I think we need to cap it at 16 teams per league. Um the meeting for that is 7 o'clock Sunday night, July 30th. A $225 deposit is required to enter a team in the league because the worst thing that can happen is for me to take a yes from somebody I don't know and do that schedule. That takes 15 hours and they back out of the league or something. So we want a little commitment. Uh, that night, if you paid your deposit, you'll get your softballs, you'll get your scorebooks, you'll get everything else. We'll talk about rules. I should probably integrate, Chris, uh, when we had that uh, quick board meeting the other night, we talked about, we had some requests to allow uh, girls to play. Now, our league, women's league rule, is 13 within the calendar year with a parental uh, guardian signature or mom signature because they usually play with them. But that co-rec... I'm not sure that I'd want my 14 or 15-year-old daughter out there at third base when, uh, you know, Seth Leaf or Chad mm -hmm. Olson or Lazy or whoever gets up there. And that's the problem. I mean, you could you could put her in a safe spot, but what happens if you need her at first base or something? I just So we, we talked about that, uh, allowing a, a girl that's 15 within the calendar year to play, and uh, it was a 9-0 unanimous no. Mm -hmm. So boys can play at 16 within the calendar years, or I'm sorry, girls can play at 16 within the calendar year, uh, but we did not reduce the, the girls. So uh, you need to be 16 within the calendar year, but not, not any younger. So Yeah, strictly a safety thing. That's, that's all that is. Yeah, uh, our new board member, Christina Schumacher, she made a great comment about that uh, that defensive positioning. I mean, I, I like I say, I wouldn't want my daughter out there, but, um, you know, if she ends up playing in the infield somewhere, you know, you can't really, you can't really bet on where that, that ball's going to go. So I think that was a smart move, and I'm glad we had unanimous uh, decision on that. So the co-rec is going to start on August 17th. Uh, that'll be the first night. Uh, the, the men's are going to start on August 23rd. Uh, we got that, that men's league, the summer men's league ends on, I think, the, uh, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but I think it's the 10th or 11th, something like that. And I just think it's imperative that we have a little break there, just to regroup kind of and you know, teams have uh, many times the same players, but they got a few different players and stuff. But 
that's what we'll do for that because we still got enough time, you know, through the year before they go to state. Uh, so the league fee this year is going to be 525 for the core rec, Chris, uh, and that's because we're going to give you uh, 14 men's balls, 14 women balls, and then uh, the men's league will be 485. Uh, those balls actually cost about 60 bucks per dozen, but so the difference isn't quite that. But uh, we we want to keep it affordable too. So 485 for the men's league. And like I say, you gotta you gotta pay a deposit if you're in the league. You gotta get me a team name too. That's critical for doing a schedule. Uh, but that's a great league, both of them. And uh, like I say, everything will be handed out that Sunday if you paid a deposit. Uh, and then an integral part of that that league is that softball appre player appreciation weekend. Now, I. I don't know if we have to use Saturday night. We might, but uh, what we like to do there, Chris, is you've been involved. Um, we mm -hmm. get some pri we get some prizes. You know, I, I go to local places and get some toys and things like that. It's almost like uh, Christmas in September, really. It is for sure. Yeah. Kids love it. You bet. You bet. And uh, a little bit of a downfall this year. I see the Vikings. Uh, I think for the last five years they've been out of town. But they are in town. They have a 12 o'clock game against the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm sure some people will go to the game. Um, at any rate, uh, that is a great event, I think. So in my mind, um, these, these leagues are, are loaded with talent around here. There's some really good teams. And uh, there are many teams that have figured out that that when you do the right things as, as a team, uh, you will compete better and go further. Uh, as most of you know, the team that is committed, that is early for their games, that is organized, that is supportive of their teammates, will always go far in leagues and tournaments. Uh, one other mention, um, when, you, when you sign up for a league uh, and pay your entry fee, uh, you know, sometimes we have weird things that happen, like COVID or, or the smog one night. But you are expected to be there. And uh, forfeits can destroy a league quickly because uh, if, you know, if one team knows, uh, of course, we'll announce it prior to, but if they know that they're going to only have one game, maybe at 9 o'clock, that other team might not show up. So it, it's kind of a <laughs> domino effect. Snowball effect, yeah. Yeah, but... Yep. I, I, I've studied that from afar, you know. The one good thing about not playing and kind of sitting back and watching and and so on is is that you see these people that um, that will get on a Facebook page the day of their game and say, I need six players in Apple Valley at 6.30. Uh, or I need three in Edina at, at 7. Uh, you know, I sometimes wonder, did they really ever have a team to begin with? <laughs> or did somebody just pay the entry fee and say, let's just, you know, throw people in left and right. And and as you know, Chris, um, sometimes people look cross-eyed at me, but I've always thought that in our leagues, you can only play on one team. Because if you open that up, that will definitely affect the integrity of the league, I, I guarantee you. Um, it's fun to see people play, but, uh, you know, if you got people jumping on teams all the time, well, sooner or later... It'll be the last night of that league, and you might be tied with another team, and they got some superstar 
playing that uh, that maybe thinks he or she should play the third game of the night with some other team. Uh, that will end up in a situation that's unexplainable. So, I mean, we just try to be consistent. And, uh, there again, on those Facebooks, it's funny how many people, uh, and it's kind of the same, the same people, you know, the same names. I don't know everybody, but uh, they say, uh, anybody need a guy tonight? Uh, play third base, right field, pitcher, this and that. Uh, that is a player, and, and nothing against anybody, Chris, but that is a player, in my opinion, that uh, that can't commit to a team. That's why they're out there like that. They want to play ball, which is great, but they're not on a team because they're probably not a good team player, in, in my opinion. So, at any rate, we try to have some consistency in our leagues up here, and uh, so far it's worked good. I, I, I love the team atmosphere. Um, you know, I always say, I, I talk about Clyde Freeze, one of my teammates from the, the 90s, uh, that is Brad Lenzen's uncle, and we were a class B team, and uh, B was probably more like C now, I suppose, uh, but we had a couple guys from the cities on our team, and I think I mentioned this before, but they said, we got a petition down to C. And Clyde was kind of the elder statesman, and he put his fist in the picnic table there, and he says, we made it to Class B, we're staying here. So, like I say, I'm kind of old school. I like that team uh, that team idea. Uh, it's, it's fun to have people join in and play here and there, but another thing is Cambridge is not going to quit growing. That uh, $180 million hospital that's going to be just southwest uh, of the ballpark there, uh, there's apartment complexes going up all over the place, new businesses all over. And I seen Evan the other day in Cub, the city administrator. And, you know, I think that town is probably 11,000 people right now, and, or this town. I think Isani's six or better, and they're, and they're still building. So we'll just keep uh, plugging along with, with the leagues as long as we can here and, and uh, kind of make it uh, a destination for a lot of people. Yeah, we got a good thing going here for sure. I don't think that I'm Joel Osteen from the ministry on Sunday nights on TV where he where he says I like to start out with something funny, but I did have something I want to bring up. And these are all true stories, believe it or not. But as I mentioned, uh, getting your team there early for the tournament game or the league game. Uh, I don't know if you know where Hillman is, Chris. It's up 169. It's uh, by that Chico's on 169. Then you take a left and they had a Legion club there or something. We used to go up there on Labor Day and 4th of July. And, uh, you know, I always haven't been early in my life, but uh, we were partying until about 4, 35 o'clock, and we had an 8 o'clock game there. And uh, I figured the only way I was going to get up for that game is to bed down just like a big deer uh, right at home plate. Now, that home plate is not a good pillow, I can tell you that. But I knew in my mind that, the only way I was going to wake up is when that umpire came for that 8 o'clock game and said, let's play ball. Oh, so that's my, that's my alarm story. <laughs> I'm picturing that. That's awesome. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad that didn't happen now because you would have been on TikTok or something. That would have been great. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Yep. yep. All right, so we're going to spend just a couple minutes talking about the church leagues here. If you're not familiar, um, the local church league is the Double Area Ministerial Softball League. 
It's been around for over 50 years. It's one of the longest-running church softball leagues in America. Uh, it's set up in kind of similar to European soccer, where there's three different divisions. And season to season, the top two teams typically from one division will move up to the higher division the following year. And conversely, the bottom couple teams will move down. That kind of keeps things balanced. Um, it's uh, co-rec. What's different, though, than traditional is instead of five guys, five gals, it's eight guys, uh, two gals. And then another unique thing about our league is there's no limit to how high a pitch can be, uh, which, especially during the tournament, uh, makes pitching significant. It's so important. Uh, typically, the teams that win, um, their, their pitcher takes advantage of that rule. So looking at the standings of kind of where we're at right now, so we're entering the home stretch of the regular season. Currently in first place is, is Rock. They're the defending champion, and I mentioned about the pitching rule. Uh, well, Clinton Lundin pitches for them, and he's legendary with his skyball pitches. In fact, uh, I believe it was three years ago he pitched a perfect game in the tournament which is just crazy in, in slow-pitch softball, but it actually happened. Um, Chris, I, yes. uh, excuse me for a second. I, uh, I've umpired him. And, yep. uh, you know, some people say, you wouldn't believe it. You know, he throws the ball 18 or 20 feet in there. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I think some of those, those pitches were in the 40 to 45-foot <laughs> range. I'm serious about that because that backstop is 30 feet high, and they were plenty above that. And... You know, that ball will start coming down, and the batter, uh, I've told you this before, they almost start shaking with their bat because they're trying to figure out when to swing. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it, and it's not only Clint. I remember uh, uh, many people out there. So that is a cool part of that tournament, no doubt. Yeah, I've got a couple others that I'll mention as I go through this. But, yeah, that's super key. But, yeah, Clint is definitely most well-known for that. All right, so starting off with Division One, there's five games left during the season, and I would say there are four teams that have a realistic chance to win the regular season title. Now, that's not to say some other teams can't make a run in the tournament or even win the tournament, but just focusing on the regular season, there's four teams that have separated themselves so far. Um, those would be Rock, Crosspoint One, Refuge One, and Carmel, and let me explain why. So... Rock is 8-1. They're a game ahead. They are the defending champion. Uh, they've scored the most runs so far this season. And we already mentioned they have Clint pitching for them, but they also have Kelsey in the outfield, who we talked about extensively in the last episode. They've got the Abrahams, including Henry, playing for them. They're just loaded with speed uh, and raw athleticism. Uh, probably the team to beat the rest of the way, but right behind them, there are two teams a game behind. We've got Crosspoint 1. Uh, Crosspoint 1, if anyone is considered a perennial power in this league, it's definitely them. They've been at or near the top of the standings ever since I've been involved in this league. Uh, they've probably won more championships than anybody else. They've uh, allowed the fewest runs by a large margin so far in this league. So they're great defensively. Um, they've got Bobby Wilson pitching. Uh, Packy Lind is usually playing shortstop. They're fun to play against, and they're a great team, and did definitely have a chance to uh, um, get first here during the regular season. Tied with them is Refuge One. Um, they're seven and two as well. This is Ryan Acker's team. They're a really young, talented team. 
Um, they've got Libby Olsen along with a bunch of the guys from New Legacy uh, on that team. They kind of took the league by storm last year. So they were in Division Two as a new team. They come here from Zimmerman. Uh, they went 14-0. and And not only that, they had an average margin of victory of 13. And to put that in perspective, um, just the 13 runs per game that they won their games by, uh, that alone was more than 16 of the other 27 teams scored total. I mean, that's crazy. Um, they, they dominated the entire regular season. Um, they ended up getting second place in the tournament in Division Two, and that's why they, they moved up here to Division One. And that brings me to Carmel. So Carmel is 6-3, and three, so they're two games out. But they're probably the most interesting team here, and here's why. Um, they've defeated both Refuge 1 and Crosspoint 1 so far this year. So they hold the tiebreaker against them. And so it's not out of the realm of possibility uh, for them to end up in first place. In fact, if they, if they win out, they almost control their own destiny. They just need uh, Rock to lose uh, to somebody, somebody else, uh, to end up tied with them. And then we, we're looking at the tiebreaker. They're a pretty loaded team, and I don't think people realize this. Um, so last year they had two teams, one in Division One and one in Division Two. The Division One team uh, had the best record during the regular season, and they ended up getting second place during the tournament. Their Division Two team ended up winning the tournament in Division Two, and they consolidated down to one team this year. I think they uh, have a missions trip going on over the, the tournament weekend. So for that reason, they switched down to one team. So what we have here are some of the best players from the two teams on the same squad now. So I think there's three guys from the Pizza Pub team uh, on their team, and then they also added, off the top of my head, probably some other people. I apologize if I'm uh, forgetting people, but I know they added Nicole and Izzy Lenzen from their other team. So they're really stacked. And I mentioned how important pitching is especially during the tournament in this league. And they've got Matt Moline who pitches for them. And outside of Clint, probably is the best skyball pitcher that I've seen um, over the years in this league. So they definitely have a chance to end up winning the regular season title for sure. Uh, we'll have to see how, how it plays out. Um, there's a huge game coming up uh, right after the break here uh, for first place. It'll be Refuge 1 versus Rock. That's right after the, the fourth here on uh, July 11th. Is that uh, at the complex, Chris, or is that all? Actually, most of the games are there, but no, this one, I believe, is in uh, Isani at Unity Field, I saw. Okay, yep. Uh, moving on to Division 2. So, Division 2, it so far, uh, the Salem Swamp Dogs have kind of been dominating. Up before this week, they were 8-0. They just actually lost their very first game. They lost to Refuge 2, which is uh, coached by Matt Acker. I guess all these Ackers can play, play softball. So Refuge 2 has now won five straight. They're tied with first B for second place. Uh, so they're at five and three. And um, I mentioned that uh, Refuge 2 has, they, they just defeated uh, Salem, handed Salem their first loss. And that's actually the fifth one in a row for Refuge 2. They started at 0 and 3, and now they're up to five and three. So they're definitely uh, a hot team and uh, be interested to see how it plays out the, uh, the rest of the way. And also, just to kind of illustrate the dominance of, of the Salem team, they've got the second largest run differential in any of the three leagues. So really, really incredible start for them so far. 
Good. Good. And then Division Three. Um, division Three is the biggest division. There's 12 teams. Um, and Salem, the other team, Salem Saints, they're in first. They're 9-0. and And they're the only undefeated team left in any of the leagues. But right behind them is Home Church. They're 8-1. and And there's actually a big game between those two teams July 18th. Uh, that'll be out at Salem's Field. That's the only time they're playing each other this year. Um, the other two leagues, everyone, I believe, plays every other team twice. That's not the case in D3 just because there's 12 teams. So this will be their only uh, only meeting. And if you've never been out to Salem's Field, I kind of consider that the mecca of church softball. Uh, it, that field's been there forever. I played there out in the mid-'80s when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, home-built field, uh, swamp right behind it. A um, lot of bugs, but it's just, <laughs> it's church softball. I love it. It's a great place yeah. to play. So, Yeah, that's cool. And then finally, the, the youth league. So there's nine teams in the kids league this year, which is, I believe, tied for the most since I've been involved in this. Um, pretty early in the season, uh, there's only been three, a couple teams have played four games, but most teams have only played three so far. But at this point, uh, Cambridge Lutheran and Carmel both look really strong. They're 3-0. and and they have uh, run differentials of 46 and 36, respectively. So pretty darn good. Uh, right behind them is uh, the past two champions, uh, Dale. They won the championship last year, uh, coached by the, the Wicklands. And then New Hope, um, uh, Team Allen and I coach, and our, our kids play on there. Uh, we're 2-1 we're and one right behind uh, the top two teams there. So I will say my observation is the, the league this year is very balanced. It's more balanced than I typically have seen it. There's a lot of talent dispersed evenly across the different teams, so it should be a really exciting season this year. Well, that's that's exciting news. When I get there on Monday nights and walk up to the to the headquarters there, uh, there can be 15 to 23 kids on that uh, on that or in that dugout and. They've all got their uniforms on, and they all got bat bags, and they're having fun with their friends, and it's uh, it's all about the camaraderie. I'm telling you, it's it's cool to see. It is. They 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 love the game, and the, this is the future. This is the pipeline for for bringing people in uh, uh, to stock our our leagues. Absolutely, uh, nights yep. of the week. Yeah, it's it's cool for sure. All right. So before we wrap things up. Uh, What's the calendar looking like? What else we got coming up here at Sandquist in July? Okay, so uh, just league play, uh, getting back to business next Thursday night. Uh, that Masters uh, Masters tournament on July 29th, Saturday, in Cambridge, uh, the state Corex summer tournament, um, which I think will will happen. We just need to get the word out there. I'll be posting. I'm going to post all those uh, flyers tomorrow on, it's going to hit about 25,000 people um, on the big message boards, our own message board, uh, Brainerd and so on. Uh, then we have the youth tournament, right, on August 2nd or something like that? Uh, somewhere around that, yeah, it's the first weekend in August, okay. uh, whatever that happens to follow on. Yep. Uh, then we have the adult church tournament the following weekend, mm -hmm. which is, uh, that is a cool tournament. Uh, we've talked a little bit about it, but uh, you see so many people that you haven't seen for years, and 
they they really do uh, support their their church in the in the ball tournament, and uh, it's just a great great atmosphere. The TOC, which is the weekend following that, this year it is going to include the D and E men's state. Uh, frankly, the reason we did that was, um, you know, we've got the five fields, which is important, but our church league that we just talked about, uh, we probably missed five or six teams that would go to Sauk Rapids for the D&E state. Now we included it into the TOC, which is August 18th through the 20th. So I believe that uh, we'll gain some of those teams. Uh, but talking to the, the managers after the TOC, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I, we, we invite them back, you know, and, and uh, we'd sure love it if you play. And they say, well, we're going to, we're trying, we're working on it. But I had a lot of managers tell me, Chris, that they said, we are in for sure. Well, as everybody knows, you're not really in until you commit, you know, with an entry fee or whatever. Uh, just to mention, any of the Cambridge teams that kind of come out of our leagues, uh, you work through uh, Brittany, um, Jamie Suits or Brad Reichel. Uh, we do it uh, in-house with our local teams. But the rest of the state or five-state area, they need to register through the MSF. But at any rate, uh, you know, I say this every year because I get excited about that tournament. I love that tournament because of the structure that uh, that we Perry uh, leads us into. It's uh, you know guaranteed. Uh, I think it's three games, but if you if you do well at all, you'll play you know four, five, six, or seven. But I always say you know it, it looks like it's going to be a big tournament, but this year I think it is going to be a big tournament. I I wouldn't be a bit surprised. If we had uh, 16 to 18 women's teams, uh, Perry had told me that we got one out of Belle Plaine yesterday. Uh, they have a little league down there, apparently. I think we're going to have four or five out of the Cambridge League. A lot of those uh, classic teams said they were coming back for sure. Um, and before I forget, make sure if you're going to play, take a good team pitcher so we can get it in that uh, tournament program before uh, you know the Tuesday of the tournament. At any rate, uh, and the men's teams, uh, they said the same thing. Not everybody, but, uh, you know, I, I just think it's it's going to be a 40-team tournament or a little more. You know, 48 is pretty squished in the Classic. But, you know, 40 to 42 teams, 38 teams, that would be a great turnout. And, and I just love the tournament, Chris. It's, uh, you know, we have the color guard there on Friday night. And, mm -hmm. uh, so what was the... What would we be looking at number-wise for the men's side then? So 16 or 18 women's teams? I'd say 24-ish. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, but, and of course, you know, you, you play all June in these tournaments, or and we have tournaments. July is a little bit soft. And then, then the tournaments, the church tournament, as far as the local teams. So... You know, maybe they just can't get all their guys, but you can pick up a couple players in that too. But I think this year it's going to be really well classified because of that D state. You know, maybe we can keep, uh, you know, a couple different divisions there and make sure that, that everybody's right where they belong. But it's, uh, like I say, we're trying to treat the amateur like a pro there. And and if you like structure and, and uh, a good tournament with good umpires and 
great grounds crew and your great cheeseburgers, <laughs> um, that's the one. So uh, looking forward to that, Chris. Yeah, it was a lot of fun last couple of years I've been out there for that. So looking forward yep. to that for sure. You bet. You bet. And then uh, we'll wrap that up, uh, make her through Labor Day. Those fall leagues will be going strong. And then uh, the uh, Cambridge teams, uh, several of us teams, will go to MSF Fall State in Sauk Rapids on the 24th, 25th, I think it is. And then the men's fall will go there on uh, October 1st, I believe it is, that, that next weekend. Um, but a little bit prior to that, the sober draft, uh, Chris, is uh, that weekend of September 23rd through the 25th. Uh, when Tony and Chris uh, Green came to us about, oh, was it four years ago or so? Uh, you know, it, we want to we want to always be involved. It, it's our park that we put a lot of time into, and you, you just can't have everybody doing tournaments there and so on. But, uh, you know, being a little bit greedy there, I guess, uh, you know, uh, I'm sober now and have been for a while, and I like the idea. And, and it doesn't have to be every player is, is sober during their life, but for sure that weekend, it's a clean weekend, if you know what I mean. Uh, and... I think there's been 11 different states uh, that people have come from. Uh, I asked one guy from uh, Alabama, I said, can I ask you why you flew into Cambridge, Minnesota for a softball tournament? And he says, I went to rehab in Minneapolis, or maybe it was Hazleton, and it saved my life. These are my people, mm -hmm. and I'm coming back every year. So it means a lot to people. Yeah, last year uh, I was working out there, and a guy I was talking to, he's from Colorado, and he just literally flew in the night before. He just heard yep. about it online and decided to come out there and check it out. So, yeah, people come from all over the place. They really do, and uh, through the way they do things, uh, and uh, we chip in a little bit too, uh, I do want to mention that we've, uh, we've donated uh, a little over $4,000 uh, the past few seasons to area church recovery programs and uh, brought the check in personally and, and they really appreciate it. I think it was the Baptist church was a couple years ago and uh, the pastor had said, or the leader of the group had said that uh, they really appreciate it because Tuesday night they have a meal for uh, maybe some folks that are having a tough time and uh, they were able to do that then. And so, uh, it's all good for the community. Yep, great cause for sure. All right, Duke, well, it's great to talk to you as always, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you next week here at the ballpark. Take care. You bet. Thank you, Chris. Bye, guys.